Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Jerry, I was curious. You've given lots of grand rounds. How would you prepare for a grand rounds presentation? Well, in the past, typically I would, you know, take a topic. It would be likely an infectious disease topic, and I'd probably have existing slides on on that topic, and I would look through those, and I would try to cut and paste almost, moving slides from one presentation to the new presentation, package together something I thought that was appropriate. I'd have to throw in something new to update the talk around that topic. That'd pretty much be it. What about learning objectives? Oh, yeah, learning objectives, right? Yeah, that's those things that the CME people ask you about, right? So you can get credit for the people who see your talk. Yeah, I would do those. I would do do those at the end, uh, and I would turn them in so CME would get off my back. (laughs) Wow. That's the old way. That is the old way. And I didn't know any different, to be honest. And, and, And I used to think I was pretty good at it. But what I wasn't paying attention to was whether anyone learned anything or understood anything differently as a result of me giving that presentation. So you weren't thinking about what the the people in the audience or maybe students or residents, fellows were going to take away? No, no, I, I generally wasn't. I mean, I, I knew I had to cover a certain amount of content to represent the topic area that, that I was asked to talk about and provide information. But what I didn't do was plan ahead in terms of what I really wanted them to know or understand by the end of the presentation or be able to do that they were not able to do it before the presentation. I I basically wasn't thinking of it in terms of the learner's perspective. I was thinking, how can I make this look good? How would it make me look good? Because for me, it was a performance. That, That was the general mindset I had as I went into preparing these kinds of things. So teaching is a performance. That's the way it was in the past, yes, in the past. So what's changed? Well, what's changed is I've come to understand that that's probably not the best way to go at this. We really should be more concerned about what the learner is going to be able to do at the end of this presentation rather than how the faculty member performed. So what's changed is I've been exposed to these topics about how to write learning objectives. I've learned all about uh, Benjamin Bloom and Bloom's Triangle (laughs) and and the different verbs and the different levels of activity that you can drive by using that, that Bloom's Triangle. And I've learned about something called understanding by design as a curriculum development approach that can be applied at, at any level, at the individual presentation level, or could be uh, applied at uh, putting together a series of talks on a certain topic or, or a curriculum for a program or even something as big as a residency program curriculum. I, I've come to understand that there's different ways to go at this, and so I approach it differently now. Let's talk about understanding by design, or UBD as it's more commonly known. Understanding by Design was developed by Grant Wiggins and Jay McTie. And in fact, the annual Course Design Institute at the Delphi Center, just a couple of years ago, we had Jay McTie here, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. 
I had him sign my book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit geeky, Stacy. I got my picture taken with him too. <laughs> so you really, you really embrace this approach, understanding by design, as as a way we should consider. A curriculum for an entire program, or even down to the individual level, like we talked about, a, a grand rounds presentation. One hundred percent. And I, so, why is that? What what about it appeals to you as a way to approach delivering content? Well, if you think about it, in comparison of what you just talked about, yeah, it's quite the opposite. It is opposite. In understanding by design, we think about the learner or the people in the the audience, and what are they going to be able to know or be able to do as a result of your presentation, your experience that you're providing them. And so for UBD to take place, the first thing you need to do is figure that out. What is it that you want your learner to know or be able to do? Understanding by design is um, a, a process that takes into account what the learner has to be able to know and do at the end of the presentation, the residency program, whatever the curriculum is designed to do. I want to talk a little bit about what the difference is between knowing something and understanding something, because that's a nuance I suspect many people could confuse, right? So what is the difference between knowledge and understanding? Because the name of this curriculum development program isn't knowing by design, (laughs) right? It's understanding by design. So why did they call it that? I think it might be important to kind of define understanding. Okay. Um, because when we think of knowledge, I think that's easy. Those are facts, right? Those are right. those are the yes, no, this is verifiable, um, those types of things. Okay. So when we think about understanding, think of it in the verb form, to understand. And so when you think about the word to understand, That is actually application. So they have to be able to apply the knowledge and the skills to be able to accomplish a specific task. So uh, let me stop you there. So it's not as though knowledge isn't important because you have to know something in order to ultimately understand maybe how it works. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is the understanding is really the meaning of the facts or the ability to use the knowledge to apply it and do something with it. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, sir. I think it can also be thought of as taking the factual information and be able to do more cognitively complex things with it. They can apply it analyze it, evaluate it, create something with that knowledge. We have to bring up that Bloom's taxonomy, the the definitions here of some of this language. Mm -hmm. Stacey, I've got a question for you. Understand is one of the lower order learning levels on Bloom's. Put this together with me for some of the definitions that you just used for understanding by design. The word understand, it is down there at the low level. That is using the term understand in a different form. Understanding is about transferability. So taking the knowledge and skills that you gain and using them in a new situation. So this happens every day to our learners, right? They learn about a particular concept. They may say see a particular concept with a patient in the hospital room, but then they go to patient B, who maybe has the exact same illness or disease, and guess what? It's a 
different outcome or different situation. And so they have to be able to take that knowledge they learned, apply it to patient A, but then apply it to patient B. So the applicability aspect of understanding is a key part of it. But isn't it also true that understanding is much more likely to be Uh, we're going to say remembered, if you really truly understand something, you're not going to forget it as readily as if you just know a fact. We forget facts all the time. Technically, the information is more durable. That's how the cognitive scientists would put it. It's more durable. It's going to stay with you longer, even though the facts can change, the process is still the same. Okay. So why don't we talk about the the actual steps that make up the understanding by designer UBD curriculum development process. What are the steps that you take? The first one is to identify what you want your learners to know or be able to do. Let's put it in context of you're doing a Grand Rounds presentation. Okay. So if I was doing a Grand Rounds presentation on a topic, the first thing I would do is figure out what do I want them to come away with, right? What new knowledge or new skills do I want the audience to take away? Once I've done that, the next piece that's critical is to think about how can I make sure that happens? And in essence, it's an assessment, but it's more of a formative assessment. We're not, you know, I'm not giving them a grade. Right. I'm, I really just want to see, do they get it? After I think how I would possibly assess that, then and only then do I start developing my talk developing the activities, the strategies that I would use to make sure that when I do that formative assessment, that my audience is successful. So this is just the opposite of how I used to give talks. As we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, I used to start with, I'm going to create slides. I don't think they qualified as experiences, to be honest. I didn't think a whole lot about how I would assess because I wasn't worried a lot about whether or not they actually got it and what their outcomes might be. And so I'm afraid that many of us still use this approach uh, where we develop our presentations and as an afterthought, put together learning objectives without the learning objectives driving the way the whole presentation might go. It's called backwards design for a reason, because it's the opposite way of how most of us (laughs) have put together talks over the course of our careers. It reminds me of that book, um, Covey. Isn't there a Covey habit that's like that? (laughs) Yeah, there is. Stephen Covey wrote a book in the 1980s, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it turns out habit number two is begin with the end in mind. This is begin with the end in mind in the form of a 2005 curriculum development approach. They must have read his book, I suspect. I bet they did. And they applied it to an educational approach. And so it's probably a good idea, no matter what you're doing, to begin with the end in mind. If you're you're painting your dining room or designing <laughs> a curriculum or whatever you're doing, you want to have some idea what it would what you want it to look like and be able to, uh, you know, do at the end. So uh, I think this is, a, this is an important thing for our listeners to be aware of as, as an approach at the individual and the curriculum level. We have used it here in the Department of Pediatrics, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. Once we knew about it, uh, one of the things that I was tasked with uh, about two years ago was to 
reassess the, the infectious disease curriculum in the uh, Department of Pediatrics. So the ID division uh, is responsible for us, uh, not only providing clinical experiences and electives for residents, but also we have a monthly um, presentation that we make to them throughout the course of their residency. And historically, these were PowerPoint presentations delivered at lunch and were whatever the faculty wanted to talk about. And so when I, I grabbed the list of the previous two years' worth of presentations and looked at it, it was hard to tell sort of what the ultimate goal was. It was what anybody wanted to talk about, what they liked to talk about, what they were good at talking about. Not much thought had gone into a UBD approach. I'm going to suggest that there'd been no thought oh, along the lines okay. of begin with the end in mind. Do you know what I had you guys do the first thing? Do you remember? No, I don't remember. It's so long ago. It, it has been a little while. So I, I come into this group of pediatricians, and I basically said, a graduating resident from the U of L School of Medicine Pediatrics Residency Program. What do they need to know and be able to do regarding infectious disease? That is where we started. Yeah, and that's where we where you have to start, right? Absolutely. But just throwing that question that took a lot of time and thinking about this three year process of having the experiences inside infectious disease. Yeah, it did. We we had a small group, seven or eight people, that uh, faculty, fellows, chief residents. Uh, people from the med ed uh, group in the department came together and basically started at the end and said, here's what we need them to be able to know and do. And we, we created several categories and threw some out. We ended up with eight, I think, different categories and then backed up from there into, okay, if this is what they need to know and do in each of these areas, well, how are we going to know that? And, and we talked about how we'd assess that, whether it was in the moment, in informative assessments during the sessions, or during their in-training exams, and look at the scores before and after we implemented the curriculum. Unfortunately, COVID hit right as this yeah. thing was about to be released, and we ended up having to delay it because all those things were virtual. And we just started anew with this um, uh, over the past several months because we could start doing in-person presentations, and that helped us to do some of the in-session activities. And so we created a template for how the faculty would approach these sessions. It is based on this UBD approach, and we built in experiences into each session so that we can test whether they're getting the content we're bringing across. They're all case-based, and so basically it really rethought from a dramatic standpoint exactly how we're going to bring content forward with the approach in mind that there were certain things we just wanted them to understand and be able to do by the end of their residency. And, and so it was a big undertaking. It's not, it's not a fast process, but one we think that's very important. So we literally took the UBD approach and applied it inside the pediatric residency two and a half years ago, and, and are now actually using that curriculum. Stacey, you said the second step is determining acceptable evidence to know that your learners are really taking, understanding mm -hmm. what you want them to understand. What does that look like, say, for a Grand Rounds? You know what? There are so many ways that you could do this type of thing with your learners, be it in a Grand Rounds or in a classroom or wherever. So some examples... I would use personally would be something like a poll everywhere or a Kahoot where I can quickly see uh, if the audience in general has 
the right approach? Do, are they getting it? Uh, you can also do something simple like a thumbs up, thumbs down. You don't necessarily have to use technology. Finding out if someone has gained some new knowledge doesn't have to be a paper pencil test. UBD sounds like it's gonna be relevant for individual sessions like Grand Rounds. You're planning a course, or if you're planning an entire overhaul of a curriculum, you can use backward design. Absolutely. I'm also taking away that the session needs to be about your learner, not about you. Understanding drives the ability to apply this knowledge in a new situation. So if, for example, there's no way they could have created three COVID-19 vaccines in nine months if somebody on day one didn't understand something, understand something about how to do respiratory virus vaccine work. And it's from that understanding of what a coronavirus is, what its antigenic targets are, how have other respiratory virus vaccines been developed, it was from work that people knew about how to do RNA vaccines. Those things all came together. And because people understood that, they were able then to very quickly develop these vaccines. And, and so it's a great recent example of how knowing the facts would have been insufficient without understanding how to put those into play. You know what? I have this great quote. It's by Rose Levy. She is the author of The Cake Bible. Baking without an understanding of the ingredients and how they work is like baking blindfolded. Sometimes everything works, but when it doesn't, you just have to guess how to change it. It's the understanding which enables to be both creative and successful. We challenge our listeners every week to do something with the content that we bring forward in, in faculty feed. Stacy, yeah. what would you challenge our listeners to do in the week after they hear this podcast about this understanding by design approach? I have no doubt that you are likely working on a presentation or getting ready for a course or a class. Here's what I need you to do. Begin with the end in mind. Think about your learners or the people in your talk Figure out what you want them to know or do at the end of that presentation. Next Friday on Faculty Feed, Dr. Tao Lee will be joining us to talk about a shared medical school curricular ecosystem. Well, that's a mouthful. You probably know Tao best as the author of the 30-year running series, First Aid for the Boards. Join us as he talks about his efforts to develop a global shared medical school ecosystem curriculum. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be, as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu that's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.